In this episode, we talk about Hobbs and Shaw, Season 3 of Jessica Jones, South Park, The Fractured But Whole, Alita Battle Angel, Anime, E3, and then step into the spoiler room to discuss the final season of Game of Thrones. All this and more on The Geek Generation. Hey now, welcome to The Geek Generation. I'm your host, Rob Logan, joined in the studio by Paul O. What's up? What is up? How are you? It's getting hot. It's getting very hot, and I yeah. don't like it at all. Yeah, like yesterday was pretty hot. Like, we were entering some swampy territory, if you know what I mean. Oh, downstairs. Kind of swampy territory. Yeah, yeah. downstairs, it yeah. was a little swampy. But yeah, I mean, pretty good. I have a confession to make. Yeah. Um, I haven't been in taking that much nerdy stuff lately because I've been interested in the sports. The s- I don't understand. This is it. It involves balls, balls, I, and big men playing with balls. I don't understand. I say that like I've never watched sports before, <laughs> even though like I've played them all and coached them and used to watch them when I was a kid. But yeah, I mean, it's just right now, like this time of year, it's just like you know, with NBA like free agency and like all that stuff. It's it's very much like soap operas for men. You know, yeah. So, like, I haven't been taking in that much stuff just because that part of my interests has been occupying a lot of my time. But I got some stuff to talk about. Yeah, I honestly haven't been consuming that much either, and I guess that's just because I've been so busy with other podcasts. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm neglecting like the main one. Yeah, I get like the the notifications on like the Discord, and like I see like the tweets and stuff, and it's like. Uh, like it's like every day you're doing something different for somebody else or for another podcast. So it's like you're basically your consumption is based on what other people are doing. Yeah. So yeah. basically, if someone's like, "Hey, this is the movie I want to do for Random Movie Club," that's what I'm watching that week. Yeah. Or, "Hey, I have to watch the next episode of The Orville." Mm-hmm. Take notes on that. Yeah. That is pretty much, and just doing like guest spots on other podcasts. I'm going to be on Adapt This again. Nice. very soon so i have to prepare some stuff tomorrow well, that's for that, nerdy so. stuff so it is all nerdy stuff yeah. but it's mostly nerdy stuff that i watched before is most of the uh, problem okay so i'm not consuming like new stuff to talk about on here right so we had to both do a lot of thinking just to take care of our geek outs and freak outs <laughs> yeah. this week but we do have some for you so let's start off with our geek outs yay Paulo, what are yours my first geek out and i think you share this particular interest with me, the Hobbs and Shaw final trailer. So hyped. Just dropped earlier this week. I mean, there have been like a ton. Like if you follow The Rock or like anybody that's in this movie, they're like, I mean, there's been at least like three trailers, either TV spots or like, you know, full length trailers. But mm-hmm. this is kind of like what they call the final one because it is coming out next month. Right. Yeah. And so. Yeah, this is bananas. Like, I I remember seeing this. I, I was just watching it on my phone, and I was like, I need to watch this on a bigger screen. <laughs> like, just something about it was intense. Like, there were a bunch of new, like, sort of, like, things that I noticed about the movie that made me more hyped about it. Mm-hmm. And so I was very, like, I am, I mean, I was already going to see the movie, but I'm now I'm, like, really looking forward to seeing the movie. That first, the first, like, I don't know, 30 seconds of the trailer like, I didn't know that Idris Elba had a Transformer bike, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, they do all this crazy shit, and a lot of it is, like, 
wild <laughs> even for like fast and furious it's pretty wild it is i uh i thought this one was a lot more action oriented yeah. than the other the others had like more of the comedy elements mm-hmm. interweaved through the trailer this one was just like right in your face yeah. all action boom 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 like vehicles crashing into each other explosions and then like you get a little bit of like the rocks Samoan mom talking and then more explosions and then like using a chain to hook up to a helicopter and it was yeah. just so wild like I mean it is very on brand for the Fast and Furious franchise but it was I'm pretty stoked for the movie to say the least yeah I'm super excited it's gonna be great yeah I mean it, it could be a horrible like storytelling wise but I mean it's just like you know it's just alpha male, just like testosterone. It's like, just, you feel like grunting the whole time. Like you don't talk. You just kind of grunt the whole time. You're like, mm. I mean, the plot is basically your generic action plot. And that's really all I need. Yeah. Like I like the, the idea that there is, I had to go back and watch one of the older trailers to remember what she meant by, if we don't save the world, like half of it, all the people are going to die. I was like, mm-hmm. wait, why are they going to die again? <laughs> and I had to go, like, I remembered something from a previous trailer. And then I saw, oh, it's like some virus that like the thing that the l- thing I care the least about. Yeah. You know? I, and you don't even need to know that. I mean, you're going to go watch the movie and they're going to tell you all that anyway. So it's not like you have to piece it all together from the trailers. Yeah. Like, and I wouldn't be surprised if like they didn't even really describe how this virus works they're mm-hmm. just like it's a virus it's gonna kill a bunch of people idris elba is uh like genetically enhanced and here's the rest of the movie and it's just like yeah. shit blowing up and cars crashing and just general chaos so that's really all you need yeah i'm excited cool um my second geek out is kind of it, it, it is kind of geeky but uh i mean not also not really <laughs> but um so the the rapper logic if you don't know who he is uh by now i, I did not i mean if if you i mean if you f- are on the internet i feel like you've maybe come across some of his stuff at some point he's a huge nerd by the way okay like very comic book and like geek culture oriented mm-hmm. but because he's a rapper he kind of has to toe the line of being like this like dude who is very much like into like the things that rappers like but he's also very much into like com- like you see his like home office and studio at home it's all like plastered with like comic books and mm. like so he dropped a video for his uh song with Eminem called Homicide and I for a rap video this is pretty much like one of the <laughs> one of the more creative rap videos yeah so the the whole premise of the video is that Eminem can't do the video. And so his manager decides to get body doubles for both of them. And the first guy that plays the body double for Logic is the guy, the kid from the Sandlot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious because you're like, I guess they look alike. And then you see it in the video. And because of the way that they shoot it, like cutting from shot to shot, like you can you almost barely don't notice that it's another person. Yeah. And then the guy who plays Eminem is the comedian Chris D'Elia. Yeah. And this kind of has like a like a social media history going back a few months. Like he he was kind of poking fun at the way Eminem raps on a video that he put on, I think, Twitter. Oh. And Eminem picked it up and was like, oh, my God, that is what I sound like. And a lot of people kind of agreed with him and was like, wow, that's really like if you just put some blonde hair on you you look like 
you know, Eminem from the Slim Shady era, meaning like from the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they kind of picked up that and put that into the video. And incorporated oh, okay. I didn't it. realize there was like a whole history. Yeah. There's like this weird sort of like brief eight month history where it went from viral video to becoming a part of the song. Mm-hmm. On the song itself, they play the Chris D'Elia audio from his video from, you know, earlier in 2018. Mm-hmm. And they put it at the end of the song, but in the video, they feature him as Eminem. Okay. And so it's kind of like a homage to, I don't know what is, what is an homage to, but for a rap video, it's definitely, you know, something I've never seen before. Now so, question, is this supposed to be a good song? It depends on who you are or who you like. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like as far as rap goes, is this good? So, because this explains why I don't like rap. If this is a good song, so for some people, if you okay, so this is hard to explain. So, rap has different sort of factions of people who like things. The largest division of which is people who like Eminem and people who do not. Okay, right? See, I like Eminem for the most part, mm-hmm. but like this felt like the Micro Machines guy trying to do a rap song. Yeah, and that's kind of like that's part of Logic's style. Okay. Like the way that he raps, like he can slow it down and also speed it up and just for this song in particular, he's just going really fast. Like yeah. it's kind of ridiculous. I just felt assaulted. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, you listen if you so I have like in-ear headphones. Yeah. Um uh, like earbuds and the first time I heard the song through the earbuds, it sounded like my earbuds were broken just because there's like, it's a lot of popping. Yeah. 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 And so it doesn't sound right, but apparently that's what it's supposed to sound like. Okay. So, I mean, I like the song just because I like the both of them individually. And when you put them together, it's, you know, it's very much the old sort of Eminem rap Mm -hmm. where it sounds kind of fucked up because, you know, he was like addicted to drugs and like did all this stuff and he was mentally not all completely there. So it was like very vintage Eminem, but also like golden era logic. Okay. So I guess if you're a fan of both, then it makes sense. I know a lot of people that hate it. Like they listen to the song and they're like, this is garbage. But I mean, for me, I like it. I like both of them. I like both of them together. So for me, it's a geek out. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah, I knew you weren't going to like that one. <laughs> I'm like, Paul just made me watch that to make me watch that. <laughs> My third geek out is an anime. I haven't talked about anime in a while, primarily because I don't have a lot of time to watch it anymore. Hmm. But this one was hard to avoid just because a lot of people that I talk to and a lot of like blogs and like uh, social media groups that I follow, like were really hyping this up a lot. Um, the name, the, the English name of the anime is Demon Slayer. Mm-hmm. It comes from the same studio that does a lot of like successful anime in japan and they're known for like their artistic style okay and this particular anime i love like the way that they animate it if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. yeah it does um like the characters and the scenery and stuff those are all kind of like par for the course for a mid to high quality anime but like when they uh, animate like the fight scenes the fight scene like they do like this weird color shading thing mm-hmm. with uh the fight scenes that makes it look very sort of like a painting come to life okay if that makes any sense yeah like it's less it looks less like the background that it's incorporated into and it's it, it's very clear that this is part of a different level of animation like it's a new thing that they're trying and they're implementing it well yeah it's all very vibrant there's some like 
thicker outlines and stuff. Yeah, and like you can tell like the colors that they use for the different elements, like the like the water and the lightning that they use for this anime is very like it's it's yeah it's more vibrant it's clearer it's like there's a higher cro- contrast than with the background that it's in mm-hmm. so to give you a little bit of background about the anime i'm sure if you for the listeners if you've wa- if you watch anime regularly you already know what this is about because you've probably been watching it for a while now but um demon but for slayer me, the- <laughs> but for people like rob who don't watch anime all the time demon slayer is just really about like a a time in like post feudal japan in terms of historical eras, it probably fits best in with the Meiji era. So this is when uh, Japan opened itself up to the the rest of the world. Okay. They, and that really doesn't have anything to do with it other than like the artistic styling that they use in it for like wardrobe and stuff like that for the characters. But it's about this uh, kid who loses his family to a demon attack. He has special abilities that he's not necessarily aware of. His sister is turned into a demon for some strange reason that they are not telling us yet. Mm. And he is able to somehow salvage his life, preserve the life of his sister, and is recruited into this core of warriors called the Demon Slayers. He's trained by an old mysterious man on a mountain, and he's taught to use these abilities that he kind of has a skill for and you know becomes a part of this group. And he is sent on missions to slay demons in areas where there are a lot of stories about supernatural phenomenon happening. Okay. Largely people going missing or strange stories about things creeping in the night. Like it's not like creatively, like from a storytelling standpoint, it's not that amazing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for me, a lot of it comes from the animation style in this that, you know, preserves my interest in the show. I, I think, you know, it's probably one of the better anime of 2019, or it will be. Mm. It's rather than the 12 episode, the 12 episode schedule that a lot of first time animes come out with. This one was actually given a 26 episode run. Okay. So this will run past the summer season and into the fall, which is unusual for an anime on the, you know, on its first season. Uh, they, they're usually given like 12 episodes runs and then they, you know, uh, reassess like how successful it was and whether or not it's worth preserving and pushing forward on. But this, I mean, they obviously believe in it. The studio believes in it. And so they gave it a 26 episode run, which will give it a lot of time to flesh out some of the storylines because there is a, a comic book mm. uh, that is further ahead in the storyline. That's always nice. Yeah. So if you like anime, I would, this is something that you're probably already watching, but if you're not watching it, I suggest that you do. It's on a lot of the streaming platforms like Anime Lab and Crunchyroll. The Japanese name for it is Kimetsu no Yaiba, and that's probably what a lot of the streaming services use. So mm-hmm. definitely check it out. Crunchyroll is a name I still can't get over. It's such an odd choice for a streaming service. Yeah. And, you know, being one of the bigger players in the market, like it's like, uh, you really didn't think about this name. <laughs> like, like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know what it means. But yeah, definitely check out Kimetsu no Yaiba or Demon Slayer um, if you are not already. Cool, cool. Uh, my first geek out, I don't know if you watched this, Jessica Jones season three. So I'm super behind on Jessica Jones. Yeah. Like it's the one that I didn't watch. <laughs> Did you watch season one at all? No. Not oh, at wow. All. So you haven't watched any of it. Okay. Yeah. So there, Jessica Jones, the first season is arguably one of the best seasons of the Marvel Netflix series as a whole, not just Jessica Jones, like all of them. Wow. It's phenomenal. It's a really, really, and that's largely in part to the fact that 
David Tennant's playing the Purple Man, and he does such an amazing job. And as you know, a great villain kind of elevates uh, the entire thing. Right. So season one is great for that reason, amongst many, many others. Season two, I felt, went a little downhill, as did a lot of other people. And season three seems to be getting some mixed reactions. However, I would say that it's definitely better than season two was. Mm-hmm. So it's not getting back up to like season one or two or Daredevil or anything, but it's it's definitely well worth watching. The only downside, of course, being that we knew the show was canceled before this even started airing. Right. And this is the final thing, but it does kind of wrap things up in a nice way. But also if. For some reason, they wanted to take it elsewhere after the two year lapse that they're contracted to kind of ignore those characters for is up. Uh-huh. Then they have the option of continuing the story from where they left off if they want to. But they're not giving you any major cliffhangers or anything here. Now, season didn't season three drop as kind of like a surprise or not necessarily a surprise, but people really weren't expecting it to come out like because it had already been announced that it can't it was canceled. Oh, no, right? we knew it was on the way. Oh, really? Like filming had already wrapped by the time it was announced that it was canceled uh-huh. and they're not going to spend all that money and not release uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. That would be silly to do. So yeah. no, no, we definitely knew this was coming. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that I'll probably like, I'll watch all at once mm. and then you'll be super over it. And I'll be like, Rob, have you seen Jessica Jones? And you'll be like, yeah, we watched that like five years ago. I'm like, we need to talk about it again. <laughs> I would rewatch it at that point and re enjoy it all over again. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> uh, my second geek out is South Park, the fractured butt hole. Uh-huh. Now, I've seen the Discord announcements that, you know, you've been playing this quite yes, a bit. Yes, I have. Yeah. So I had said before, like, I think this was a freak out a long time ago, only because it was one of those games that announced that there would be a season pass. Oh, OK. And you would get DLC piecemeal over the course of like a year. Yeah, I seem and to remember that. Yeah. I hate that. I yeah. always hate that. Give me the whole experience at one time. Like I just got to the part in the game where the DLC kind of unlocks uh-huh. and I still have plenty of the main story left. So I can go do that DLC and get it done now and then finish the main story and then feel like I'm actually done with the game. Instead of maybe not going back to it and forgetting that there's DLC in the future. Mm-hmm. So the other thing, the other aside from that, I'll talk about how great the game is in a moment. But there was a sale going on for E3. Mm-hmm. And normally the gold edition of this game, which includes the base game and all the DLC together, is eighty nine ninety nine. What? Because, well, it's $60 for the game. Yeah. And then it's uh, the, the other like $30 for the season pass, which uh-huh. is kind of steep for a season pass. Most of them are like $20 max. Well, I don't know. You're talking to a guy that paid $35 for the Destiny season pass <laughs> twice. So, yeah. Yeah. So normally it's $89.99 for the gold edition for absolutely everything. And UB was having a sale and I got it for 8 99 what yeah wow 90 off <laughs> that's hilarious like that doesn't even sound like a sale it's just like here a, take it yeah it's like a virtual yard sale basically yeah so that sale ended but there i don't know if it's still going on by the time this episode drops i'd have to check or you guys can just check but they're having an exactly the same similar sale on the humble store right now or they just did so <laughs> 
<laughs> if you if you want to support us while doing that, if you go to thegeekgeneration.com slash humble, it will bring you to the humble store. And if you buy anything after doing that, then uh, we'll get a little little kickback, just like the Amazon affiliate thing works. But it's it was eight ninety nine for an eighty nine dollar game there as well. So yeah, really good deal. But anyway, the game itself is uh, did you play Stick of Truth at all or see it or yeah, anything? I did. OK, yeah. so it's similar to Stick of Truth in many, many ways. The biggest change being the combat. Okay. So in the original one, it's just kind of your straightforward RPG turn-based combat, right? Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of like XCOM elements thrown into this one in the sense that your positioning now matters. Okay. So you have like squares. There's like a grid on the board and it seems like it would be overly complicated. And I wasn't sure if I was going to like it at first when I saw videos of it, Mm -hmm. but it's actually very intuitive. It's super simple. And so you can like reposition yourself and then do your attack that way. But you can also your positioning is important because you get that like Cartman on one side of an enemy and Kyle on the other. And now if one person attacks, not only do you hit them normally, that person flies back into your other character who then attacks from the other side automatically is like a combo. Oh, okay. So that kind of stuff is important. And then like certain uh, attacks go in certain ranges and certain areas. So your positioning there matters, too. So it keeps the combat a little more interesting than it did in the first one. My only complaint with the first game was that combat got a little stale Mm -hmm. after a while because it was just rinse and repeat. Yeah. And it gets a little stale here, too, but it's definitely more varied than the first one was. Aside from that, it's all the goodness from Stick of Truth that you like. And if you're into superheroes more than you are fantasy stuff like I am, you might like this game even better for that reason, too, because it's all the superhero tropes nice yeah it's like the thing i don't like a lot about turn-based rpgs is because you know like you said it does get kind of stale like the whole combat process seems very much like it it feels more grindy than it should Mm -hmm. you know and so whenever you have a more active or like i don't know exactly how to describe it but you know when you have a more active combat system that is not just like the same animations repeating over and over again, mm-hmm. then at least, you know, like it, I have something more to like visual, visually digest than just like the same thing happening over and over again. Yeah. Yep. So well, that's good. Yeah. Very good. Highly so recommend. Eight ninety nine. That's ridiculous. Huge deal. Yeah, that's huge, huge deal. They were selling all sorts of games. Like UB had a massive sale and like Odyssey was 20 bucks or something. Nice. Like a lot of stuff dropped way down. Now, did cool. you play this on PC? Or? I'm playing on PC. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Nice. It's all in the UB launcher. Uh, but I'm actually playing with a controller too. Oh, okay. I did try playing with a uh, mouse and keyboard because I thought with the positioning, it mm-hmm. would actually be better to yeah. play it that way. And I ended up switching to a controller because I was like, it's just way easier and simpler to play with the controller. That's unusual for like a PC game. It really is. Yeah, like A lot of people are like keyboard and mouse master race. But yep. cool. Yeah, definitely controller. Uh, the last geek out is something I just watched for the first time last night, which is Alita Battle Angel, the mm. live action Robert Rodriguez movie that James Cameron had the rights for forever. Yeah. And they finally made a movie out of it. Uh, I had heard kind of mixed things. Mm-hmm. When this initially came out, I should preface this by saying that I have seen the anime. Now, I haven't read the manga. <gasps> you watched an anime? 
years and years ago. I, I used to watch some anime. Like, after I got into DBZ a lot, I yeah. was like, I'm going to explore the anime world a little uh-huh. bit because maybe I'm missing other weird, stuff. And, and then got really like, weird. Uh. Yeah, and I walked away. But I mean, there's some movies I like, like Ninja Scroll uh-huh. is one of the classic ones oh, yeah. that people are into. And there were a few other series that I got into a little bit. But for the most part, there's not a ton of anime stuff that I like. I remember really liking the Alita anime movie. Uh-huh. I thought it was very well done. I thought it explored some interesting things. And the biggest complaint against the live action adaptation is that they don't go in depth into like her discovering herself as much and what it means to be human. Like right. people are aware her brain is like the only part of her that's actually still human. The rest of her is cyborg body. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like, I think the manga really gets time to go into that. Yeah. They don't have the time in a movie to necessarily do that. But what they ended up with is an action movie. And there's still a lot of that stuff. There's like good heart and good exploration and there's emotional stuff. But it's really just a super impressive action movie that has amazing fight sequences and really, really good effects. Really? Oh, God. It's crazy. So. People, I think when they first saw the trailer, I don't know. What was your reaction to seeing like Rosa Salazar with the kind of like anime eyes and everything? So I I remember when the movie was coming out in theaters, like she did a lot of press like overseas. Mm -hmm. And so I saw I got a chance to see her doing that press. I I, I don't remember. Like, I remember seeing Robert Rodriguez domestically, but not necessarily the girl that plays Alita. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, she did do a bunch of press in like Asia, like Korea and Japan. and. I mean, she kind of looked the part like her eyes didn't seem that much more accentuated mm-hmm. over, you know, what she looks like normally. I guess she's just gifted with big eyes, but it didn't weird me out as much. I got kind of used to it after seeing the trailer like mm-hmm. twice. So but then again, I watch a ton of anime. Yeah. So like I'm used to big eyes like that. And, like yeah. it doesn't freak me out. It didn't take me out of the movie at all. Oh, not okay. for a second. The The effects are so well done, too. That you just see this as a character that's in the movie and you just accept it. And uh-huh. It doesn't seem out of place at all. Yeah. Yeah. I know there was a little bit of backlash on that. Like mm. I had seen like stuff on like Reddit and like different like uh, movie blogs. Like people would draw what the skull of somebody with eyes that big look mm-hmm. like or like, you know, they would like do things to like accentuate the fact that it's funny, too, because they can draw a skull and it doesn't matter. She's a machine. Yeah. Like it's just it, so it doesn't have to support yeah. anything realistic. Yeah. So, yeah, and it didn't freak me out. I didn't see the movie just because, you know, I rarely get a chance to get out to the theater anymore. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it does sound pretty good. I mean, I saw, you know, the trailers and stuff, you know, when she was doing or when they were doing press for this movie, you know, they they had invited a lot of people to like the set in Austin where they filmed some of the fight sequences. Okay, I think there's this one fight sequence where she's fighting like a really big dude. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know any of the names. But um, she's fighting this really big dude, and then he has like these weird chain mm-hmm. claw finger things, yep. and um, like they 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 did press on that set, and um, it, it is impressive to see them, you know, build it out, but then also highlight the effects in a way that I think very rarely do you see in a movie nowadays. Yeah, so. yeah, I think there are things that, having seen the source movie, they kind of enhance this one. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have to, though. I think it speaks just fine on its own. Yeah. If you just want to, like, go in and watch a fun, like, blockbuster action movie, 
that has very impressive action sequences, this is a great film to watch. Yeah, I think with certain anime and, you know, um, that sort of source material, some of it, you know, was very futuristic for its time. Mm -hmm. And so to resurrect it now as a live action movie kind of makes sense Mm. because the technology has sort of caught up with the storytelling. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. I'll have to check it out. That's all I got. So let's move on to our freakouts. Oh, freakout! My biggest freakout, or my only real freakout, because a lot of it's not really geek-related, but uh, my geek-related freakout is that Netflix is ruining anime. This is a heavy anime episode all of a sudden. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, Netflix is kind of, and I think a lot of other platforms, too, Mm -hmm. like streaming platforms are making a big push into anime, acquiring rights, um, building out their own series um netflix in particular just because they have branches all over the world mm-hmm. um you know are really pushing heavy into the anime market but they are doing so in a way that as a fan i don't really like uh because the type of work that they're doing but also when they acquire rights they're not necessarily preserving you know what they should have from mm. the original series most notably of which is um evangelion which was just released on Netflix, Mm -hmm. I think worldwide. They acquired the rights to the original um, episodes, and I think they're working on the movies too. I'm not sure. But they took the originals, and one, they dubbed it, which to me is trash. Like, I hate that. But, I mean, I can understand. You know, people don't want to read subtitles, right? Do you still have the option of watching those with the subtitles, though? I'm not sure. Oh, okay. So, like, I have Because I was going to say, if they preserve the original and then just give you the option, then Mm -hmm. who cares, like do whatever yeah i mean i was primarily interested in it and i haven't i haven't had a chance to check it out yet Mm -hmm. but i have read a lot of reviews about it um i was primarily interested in it because you know it's a 20 year old anime yeah and so you know i was interested to see if netflix had done anything to like upscale the quality at all you know refine the lines like there are a lot of things that the original series would have benefited from in terms of like modern animating Mm -hmm. that you know Um, You know, just cleaner lines in general, because, you know, it is an older show. Mm. But what Netflix has done with Evangelion is a lot of people upset. And, you know, I kind of agree with a lot of the reviews in that they've sort of taken bits and pieces, modified them, removed them all together. And it really doesn't preserve the spirit of the original show. Mm. And I think for a lot of people, uh, shows like Evangelion are cornerstones of like their anime fandom. Right. Because it is kind of like the beginning of when they started to introduce this stuff into the domestic market where people would pass around the videotapes, you know, they'd be like, you got to check this out. It is so fucked up. Or, you know, you got to check this out. It's so hyper violent, you know, and Evangelion is one of those shows. And so like some of the things that they've done, uh, one of the things is they removed, I don't know if they used the Tony Bennett or Frank Sinatra version, but the end credits music, mm-hmm. they played fly me to the moon. And I'm pretty sure it was either. I'm pretty sure it was Frank Sinatra. Mm. But they used to play that at the end as a sort of like way to wrap up each episode. You know, it's just the end credit music Mm -hmm. and it kind of goes with the theme of the show. Kind of, you know, the moon does play a part in the storyline. And so like a lot of people were upset that they took that out because and this is coming directly from Netflix. They didn't want to pay for the rights to the music. Mm. So they completely took it out that I can kind of forgive. One thing that is kind of. One thing, I don't know how this works out, but I don't know if they did it on purpose or if they did it to sort of 
cater to a certain audience. I'm not sure, but there is a relationship between Shinji and which is, who's the main character and a secondary character in the show that a lot of people interpreted as an LGBTQIA sort of nod to, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, you know, the, the show itself explores a lot of these sort of cultural and personal like topics, like being LGBTQIA. And Mm -hmm. so they kind of softened some of the dialogue to the to an extent where hmm. it didn't seem like that was the case anymore. If you watch like their original and you see like the subtitles or if you just understand Japanese, mm-hmm. this conversation between the two ver- lends itself very much so to being a situation where they are kind of one is one guy is flirting with the other. Okay. Right? So for a lot of people who do belong who are gay or lesbian that for them is like a validation because it's like oh my god like this that's how i feel Mm. but then i don't know if netflix changed the sub or if they did something to the dialogue but they somehow changed it to where like instead of saying yeah you're somebody i can love he says like yeah you're somebody i can like and it's a very small gets rid of the subtext yeah it's a very small detail yeah but it kind of removes the discussion of that sort of theme yeah you know, and and Evangelion goes into a lot of heavy themes like depression, mental health, like poor parenting. Like hmm. it, like a lot of this stuff is a part of the show that people who have grown up with it over the years have taken from it. And so, for Netflix to kind of mess with that, mm-hmm. uh, it's like uh, I don't know. Like I, I don't approve of it just because you're not, you're not giving us the thing that we liked. You are giving us the thing you think we would like. Yeah, people don't need to change stuff. Like, it already exists. Just port it over. Yeah, and I mean, that's primarily how people became interested in it is because it was just ported over Mm -hmm. in a low-tech sort of way. Like, back in the days when you passed that videotape around and people watched them, they're like, this is fire. Like, I want more of this. This is how a lot of people started their interest in anime. So it's kind of hurtful um another thing that they're doing that i fucking hate is they're using this 3d animation like technique Mm -hmm. to put out a lot of these shows the the one that i was the most disappointed with primarily was the godzilla movie okay that they put on netflix this is like a two or three part movie um you know the one where people leave earth godzilla takes over and then the earth is just overgrown with giant plants and animals people <laughs> come back and they have to try and take back earth oh wow like, that is the synopsis of the of the movie and it's godzilla so you think oh this is going to be awesome because it's a godzilla anime mm-hmm. no it's not it is just this trash like 3d animation that I do not understand for the life of me why studios think is a good idea. I personally hate it. Mm-hmm. Like it looks so bad. Like the frame rate or something is just terrible. It, like the dialogue doesn't match with the people talking. Like I hate it. And like they have other series that they're building and bringing out. One of them is like this show. I think it's called Asura's Revenge or something. Mm-hmm. It's like a fight, like a fighter based um, anime similar to. One that they already have on their platform called Baki, like Baki the Fighter. And Baki uses traditional animation techniques. Mm-hmm. Ashura does not. It uses this trash 3D animation. I hate it. Like, it's so bad. Well, it's hard to get the same things done in 3D animation. Like, I had, they had that series Beware the Batman, uh-huh. which was the 3D animated batman cartoon and uh-huh. i was like why are you doing this yeah i feel like they're limiting themselves because it's 
I assume it's more expensive to do 3D animation mm-hmm. because whenever you watch it, it tends to feel more empty because there are less characters. They don't, they don't want to model as much or yeah. do as much. The action always feels slower because you can't. Th- there are a few exceptions to that, but like 2D animation, you can get away with so much and make it also realistic and fast paced. The uh the TMNT cartoon that was 3D animated, I think, had really good action. Mm-hmm. And that was an exception. But for the most part, it slows everything down. It feels too polished, like clean and not realistic. I don't know. It just never works as well. So I don't know why people go that direction so often. Yeah, I don't know if this makes any sense, but it doesn't feel as full. You yeah, know what I mean, hundred percent. Like yeah. it, it's just something about it. Like it doesn't feel as full or as well rounded. It like it feels soulless. like you see it, and it kind of feels flat a little mm-hmm. bit. I don't know if it's maybe like the color design that they use on these three D animations, or if it's just the animation itself that makes it feel like I see it, and I it just to me it feels more geometric than anything, mm-hmm. and that's not what I'm looking for, you know, in a cartoon. It just to me, there's something about it that I just do not like. And I think they for a giant company making a push into a genre and using that as kind of like their platform. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I would prefer that they just go with like, you know, traditional animation techniques rather than trying to do this 3D thing. So I hope they turn it around. Yeah, it's obnoxious. Anything else? Uh, Nope, that's it. All right. My only freak out right now is E3. Oh, okay. Mainly because, so I saw some games that I was interested in, and I always do. They uh-huh. show off a ton of stuff. The main reason is that E3 just felt kind of lackluster this year in general. Now, is that because, like, certain companies weren't there? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it, is okay. that, like, if, if people stop showing up, the event stops being as important. If Sony's going to be like, hey, we're not going, uh-huh. like, we're not going and we're not doing a big press event. Then it's like, oh, okay. So who's I left? Care, that's the one I care about. Yeah. Like I watched the Microsoft one and it was fine, but I always watch that one with like, is this going to be entertaining? I don't necessarily care what's coming out of it uh-huh. because I'm not going to play most of these games. That's changed a little bit because they, uh, last year they had made, I think it was last year, they had made the statement that games that come out now will be put out for the Xbox as well as a Windows 10 system yeah so i actually can play all those games now Uh which is cool but i always am really excited for sony stuff and they just weren't there that i have read some articles that like sony had their own silent e3 as in all their games all their exclusives and stuff were announced through other people's things oh okay so they didn't really need to be there Uh but it felt like they just weren't representing and i don't know it just it didn't feel as it didn't have that like Super Bowl of video games uh-huh. that I want every time. Like it is like who's going to win E3, who's trouncing the other one. There's something exciting and fun about that. And that just was not there this year. That's shocking because usually like E3 is like it's a the must see event mm-hmm. as far. You could get pretty far away from video games and still have people talking about it. Yeah, because they'll inevitably announce something that like everyone is anticipating. So, or they just bring out Keanu Reeves, and oh, yeah. that's what you get everywhere instead anyway. Yeah, that was wild. Like, that was fun. I, like I remember seeing that and just thinking, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I can just, I can see his agent just being like, listen, Keanu, we're making a big push into the internet. <laughs> and he's like, 
I'm listening. <laughs> well, I mean, he's in the game. Yeah. He's in he's in Cyberpunk 2077. But the fact that they dropped that at the end of a trailer uh-huh. and everyone freaked out. Yeah. And that's the other thing. The other thing that's exciting about E3 is, and it's the reason I don't like the Nintendo conference that much, because Nintendo's kind of happens in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no audience reaction. They don't really show it where people are going to, where we're going to see their reactions. So you miss kind of the hype of that crowd environment. But when Keanu came out and the place erupted, or even when they just showed him at the end of the trailer and the place erupted and then just got bigger when he actually came out. Yeah. And then you miss out on moments like, no, you're breathtaking. Like all uh-huh. that stuff would be gone without having these big press events. And there's something exciting about that. So to see companies not participating is kind of a bummer. And I mean, you kind of see that across the board, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, just for example, like streaming services, like how Disney is taking a lot of their stuff out of the existing tre- streaming services and creating their own. Like they're fragmenting the industry to a degree that it's the average consumer only has so much attention to give. Mm-hmm. If you start fragmenting that into more than like three or four different things that people have to pay attention to, they're going to start falling off. Yep. I mean, that happens to me. Like there are just too many things to consume. I just stop caring at yeah, a certain yeah. point because there's no way that I'm going to keep up with it. And so E3 kind of serves as like this centralized platform, you know, for better or for worse. Like I've heard a lot of people talk about the disadvantages of E3, like how they only showcase the big companies, mm-hmm. and like the smaller ones kind of, even though they are invited, they fall to the wayside they because do, they're not sure. incorporated in, into the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Right. And eventually everyone only cares about Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, because those are the big names. Yep. And so for Sony to kind of pull out and be like, mm, we're not really going to go this year, you know, and potentially maybe never go again, you know, maybe hold their own sort of conference. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like that's I'm less hyped or psyched to see anything from Sony just because it will require me to divert attention to a secondary thing yeah it's it seems like a bad strategy because if they start doing their own thing the only person they're getting the eyes of are the people who are already sony fans right if they're going to the thing that everyone else is looking at that's how they get the attention of everybody right it's like the marketplace versus the storefront absolutely yeah but that being said i know we're in the freakouts technically that being said there were a couple games that i did want to just address as being like hype for Uh (laughs) so obviously cyberpunk 2077 has been development forever it looks amazing it might i really want to play it but it might end up being one of those games that is just way too big for me yeah and i'm just like nope that looks exhausting yeah uh watchdogs legion Mm -hmm. i don't know if you if you haven't seen any of these let me know too (laughs) because i've seen i've seen like the trailers okay yeah so. so watchdogs legion i haven't played the prior watchdogs games yet i have the first one and I just haven't had time to touch it mm-hmm. again. Time. The yeah. Thing. Uh, but Watch Dogs Legion looks like a step forward for what they've been doing. Like Ubi will take a franchise and even if it gets a stale start, like Assassin's Creed was a stale first game. Yeah. Even though it was cool conceptually. But then like by Assassin's Creed 2 is like, oh, OK, yeah. I see what's going on uh-huh. now. Watch Dogs, I think, is kind of going through the same evolution, the same like growing pains interesting but it looks like watchdogs legion is going to be the one that kind of really gets there i'm hoping i love the idea of like being able to recruit your own gang uh-huh. bring anybody in from the street like if somebody dies they're dead mm-hmm. like, that's super cool and a lot of good stuff going on in that game 
uh, Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, what the hell, dude? I never played. So I haven't played a Final Fantasy game. Oh, okay. My entire Final Fantasy knowledge comes from the Kingdom Hearts games. Okay, that's how I know those characters. However, I do know a lot of the story beats of seven because it's such an iconic game. You kind of can't avoid them if you're a gamer. Yeah, you run into them. But the thing that like I was already interested in this because I've been told it's such a great story. But the fact that the combat is almost exactly what I want. Like, I don't want to play the Final Fantasy games because I don't love turn based combat. I love Kingdom Hearts, but sometimes I feel like triggering that quick menu and activating things is too clunky. And you can do it like while you're getting your butt handed to you. Yeah. But this is like a perfect blend mm-hmm. combat wise. We're like you're doing Kingdom Hearts style combat, but you actually pause the action to activate like spells and use your items and all that. Yeah. And that looks perfect. And I'm so down for it. I think a lot of people like this. That game is going to bring a lot of people back mm-hmm. to gaming. We're at that age where you and I are geeks, so we make the time for it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of people in their everyday lives, they don't have the time for it. Yeah. And, it, you know, because that interest doesn't exist, gaming is one of the first things to kind of slide off. Um, but I know a lot of people who are fans of Final Fantasy VII who saw that and were like, I might need to pick up a system and play this game again, not just for nostalgia purposes, but because they upscaled mm-hmm. the game so much that now it's like, Wow, this is what I remember seeing in my head when I was a kid. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Your imagination filled in all those blanks, and now they're giving it to you. Right, dude. It's on two Blu-ray discs. Yeah, which is huge. That's insane. One thing that like really freaked the the one thing that freaked me out about the game, or was a freak out of mine about the game, mm-hmm. was I seem to recall reading this somewhere that they digitally downgraded Tifa's boobs. There was some talk of that. I don't or know. Or they're going to do it? Like, I don't know. I think the internet was again complaining that her boobs were too big. Which is wild. Like, I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean. They yeah, do know it's a Japanese video game, right? And that's just what they do yeah. anyway. Yeah, there's unrealistic expectations. Everybody has lower back issues. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 looking for it even though I don't have a PlayStation. And I'm getting to that point where I've given up. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to live in my Xbox Microsoft universe and just <laughs> deal with the consequences of never getting a Sony exclusive again. Mm. But yeah. Uh, the last game is Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. I did not see this. Okay. So this one started off as like, they had another name like Super Project Z or something like that. Uh, they have renamed it to Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Uh huh. And finally, Finally, it is an action RPG. Nice. It's not just a fighting game. Nice. So you go through and you do all the kind of like RPG ish stuff where you like talk to other characters, you level up, you do all that stuff that you would expect to. And then they showed the combat and I'm like, oh, is the combat just like Budokai? Like, it just looks like that. It looks like a 3D fighter. Uh And yeah, it is a little bit. But here's the difference. It's not. And I didn't even think about this when. Uh, they first were talking about it, but then I was watching a couple like impressions videos on the demo for me three. And they mentioned that it's a game that's built not for PVP, but for PVE, meaning that the characters no longer have to be all evenly balanced. Oh. So when you're fighting another character, even though it's like that 3D fighting game kind of arena style, it's a boss fight. 
Nice. Like they can do things that are absolutely ridiculous that you have to like learn how to deal with uh-huh. that you can't do in a PvP game because that character has to be equal to that one. Nice. So now you can really feel like the underdog taking down this enemy. And <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I'm you, like, finally, the Dragon Ball game I've wanted. You too can be Yamcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, it looks great. It looks great. I'm hyped. Yeah. Like, I mean, a lot of like Dragon Ball stuff has been happening, you know, in the last like three or four years that mm-hmm. I don't think a lot like the general public is aware of. Like there is an entire Dragon Ball animated series that I don't know how they're distributing it. Like super. It, no, it's not super. It's Dragon Ball Heroes. And it's a completely different storyline. OK, like I'm only catching clips on YouTube because I can see it like I can see people posting it on like you know, comic book resources or like, you know, a lot of these like social media groups. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, that's the only way I'm seeing it. I hadn't even heard of it. Yeah. And it's a completely different storyline. And they, they, they mention things which are canon, which leads me to believe that the stuff that they are talking about becomes canon. And it's like blowing my mind because it's like a completely different Dragon Ball series. Yeah. Like they just debuted. um, Remember cooler Frieza's brother. yeah. Yeah. They debuted golden metal cooler. So like cooler goes through a completely different, like a completely. I've seen an image of golden cooler. Yeah. Yeah. And so like he's, he was rebuilt by this guy who is almost like the, um, like, you know how in super they have like the tournament of universes or universe. I'm so far behind on super. Yeah. So they had like the universal tournament and like this whole like organization was behind it. And in dragon ball heroes, they have like, this sort of this guy who's collecting data from fights with Saiyans, basically. Mm. And he rebuilt Cooler to become capable of reaching golden metal cooler status. It's in a completely different series all to itself. And I had no idea it was happening. And I feel like I'm tapped into anime pretty regularly. Yeah. And so I like a, a lot of the, a lot of this Dragon Ball stuff that's happening. I mean, it's really great that it, it is happening because, you know, it is sort of like nostalgia meets appetite mm-hmm. right so i don't know if i'll buy a playstation just to play this new dragon ball game but if i watch you playing it and i feel so inclined well it might be more than just playstation i think it probably is i hope so yeah but it looks great either way because then i can play it yeah and i won't just be mad like spider-man <laughs> for listeners who aren't aware i was fucking salty that like spider-man will never make it to xbox and like rob was playing the game and he was like oh it's great it's like yeah like i feel like i have to do all this stuff and i have to be a completionist i'm like those are all the things that i like to do why can't i do that (laughs) i want to do it too i've been so close to like pressing clicking the the order button on a playstation yeah like i'm just like so like but kids kids uh moving into news briefly Getting a star on the legendary Hollywood Walk of Fame is one of the highest honors that someone in the entertainment industry can achieve. Even fictional characters can be recognized for their contributions to pop culture. Current stars in this category belong to Snoopy, Godzilla, Kermit the Frog, and The Simpsons. Next year, on the heels of his 80th anniversary, Batman will be the first comic book superhero to receive a star. He'll join other 2020 inductees like Julia Roberts, Spike Lee, Chris Hemsworth, Lawrence Fishburne, and Andy Kaufman, among others. Kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, like, Batman. Yeah. He's even people who don't know anything about geek culture or comic books know who Batman is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's impossible to avoid him. He's everywhere. 
Um, I, I would just be curious as to where his ho- where his star is located because mm-hmm. like I didn't know this, but like I I saw this on like a random reality TV show and I had to research it. Apparently, your placement the placement of your Hollywood star mm-hmm. kind of is like indicative of you know your success or your popularity. So I'd be interested to see where they put Batman's star, like if it's in prime placement or if it's like in a random place in a side street in LA or something, you know, I want it to not be in a physical star on the walk. I want them to have to build a spotlight and shine his star (laughs) into the sky every single night. It's just like a square on the con. Like it's a square on the concrete that at night reveals a spotlight Mm -hmm. that shoots up into the sky. That's what it needs to be. Or onto a neighboring building. I love it. That would be amazing. Sony Pictures has announced that Paul Rudd will star in Jason Reitman's upcoming Ghostbusters movie. Official plot details have not yet been released, but according to Variety, the story will be an extension of the original Ghostbusters and focus on a single mom and her family with Carrie Coon as the mother, Finn Wolfhard playing her son, and McKenna Grace playing her daughter. Additionally, Sigourney Weaver recently said that she would be reprising her role of Dana Barrett, and the original cast would also return for the sequel, though it's unknown how prominent their roles will be. How do you feel? I want to know how you feel. About the fact that Paul Rudd's going to be in the Ghostbusters movie? Or that they're making a new Ghostbusters movie. Uh, Well, I love that they're making a new Ghostbusters movie because it has nothing to do with the rebooted one. Uh They're just completely writing that out of existence. And yeah, I love that. Normally, I don't always, like I know Terminator Dark Fate's doing that, too. Uh-huh. They're wiping all the other Terminator movies and saying after two that this is the next one. Yeah. And when you're playing with time travel stuff, you kind of have that right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, you have a mechanism for that. Yeah, yeah. You have a mechanism for it. But that last Ghostbusters movie was so awful. Mm-hmm. It was so awful. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. It was a steaming pile. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're going back to the original universe, it makes me happy. Use your anger, Rob. (laughs) You know it to be true. You want me to just go full on rage. It was so bad. It was so bad. So how do you feel about Paul Rudd being in it? I love Paul Rudd. Yeah. And now they're not saying he's going to be a Ghostbuster. Right. They're saying, like they said, he was going to be a teacher or something. But he's in it. He's in it. And and there's no way. Could be. There's no way you incorporate a guy like that into a movie and not have him be like a starring role. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw like the announce, like he did like an announcement video yep. where they shot it in front of what looked like the facade of the original Ghostbusters firehouse. Mm-hmm. I-, I don't know if that's real or if it's, you know, there's a real for- building there. Like it-, it looks exactly like the original. It's- it is. Oh, as far as I know. Okay. I think it's it. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, he shot this video in front of it. And I mean, I think it's a perfect match. I mean, and if you're going to sort of reestablish a universe. And you need somebody who is universally likable. Mm-hmm. You can't go wrong with Paul Rudd. Absolutely. I don't think anybody hates Paul Rudd. How can you? Like, nobody, like there are, nobody has strong feelings in the negative direction towards Paul Rudd. So, perfect choice. Absolutely. Uncharted, the movie adaptation of the hit video game franchise starring Tom Holland as Nathan Drake, has been given a December 18th, 2020 release date. The movie will serve as a prequel to the game series, taking its basis from the sequence in Uncharted 3 Drake's Deception, wherein the young thief first encounters his partner Victor Sullivan and, in essence, sets up the events of the entire game franchise. Hmm. Yeah, I had heard about this. Mm -hmm. You know, Nathan Fillion is... Lobbying was, for sure. Yeah, it's almost too perfect. Mm -hmm. 
he kind of he even looks like the guy. But I mean, Tom Holland is great. I mean, he's like it's hard for me to digest without knowing more. Mm-hmm. Like if you just well, say, you haven't played the games, right? No. So there is a sequence in Uncharted Three where you play as Nathan Drake as a kid. Okay. And he goes and he steals something from a museum, bumps into Sully, who ends up being like his mentor and father figure yeah. for the whole franchise. And they meet and there's a whole thing with his brother. And so they're taking that sequence and kind of expanding it and showing us, okay, so if that's how things start off, then now how do Sully and Nathan like build on that relationship? Does like Sully train him and all that? I think that's what we're going to see a lot of. And it's also allowing for Tom Holland to grow into the role. I see. So if they do this now, by the time they get to where they want to go, I think with sequels, he's going to kind of age into the adult Nathan Drake. I see. So I think that's a smart move. Yeah. Tom Holland. Great. Spider-Man. Great. Mm-hmm. He's doing another movie where he's an English gentleman. Looks pretty good. Yep. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Again, I'm not as familiar with Uncharted yeah. because it is a Sony franchise and I do not have a PlayStation. So I mean, really, they just need to give us another version of Indiana Jones. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, from what I know about the series, you know, he is kind of like a fast talking, mm-hmm. like smart mouth. And I can see Tom Holland filling that role. Yep. Yeah. I look forward to it. Yeah. Pixar has announced their next animated feature titled Soul. Set to hit theaters in June of 2020. The official tagline reads, ever wonder where your passion, your dreams and your interests come from? What is it that makes you you? In 2020, Pixar Animation Studios takes you on a journey from the streets of New York City to the cosmic realms to discover the answers to life's most important questions. Soul will be hitting theaters just four months after the next Pixar release, Onward, which is due out March 6th, 2020, and is the studio's first original film since 2017's Coco. Onward stars Tom Holland and Chris Pratt, who play teenage elf brothers who embark on a quest to find the last remaining magic in the world of hopes of spending time with their dead father. I mean, soul kind of sounds like inside out, but less heady, Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, you've seen what your emotions look like now. See what this soul thing looks like. (laughs) Yeah. And it sounds interesting that they're taking it to space, I guess. It It sounds like cosmic realms. Yeah. Yeah. Cosmic could mean anything. It could, but yeah, more Pixar. Um, I mean, it's never been bad. I can't believe it's been that long since something that was a non-sequel. Oh, yeah. 2017's Coco was yeah. the last original one. But they are refocusing on doing original stories. I think, obviously, they focused on the sequels because people want them. Mm-hmm. But also, there was the whole thing with John Lasseter. And as they were transitioning, then they were moving into sequels almost to like kill time, I think. I see. Until they were getting ready to do more original stories again. Interesting. I had seen the Tom Holland and Chris Pratt, uh, the trailer for yep. that yep. movie. And I guess it looked okay. Yeah, it looks know. fine. Yeah. I'll check it out. The thing is, a lot of Pixar movies, you watch the trailers and you're like, that looks okay. But then you see it and you're like, what the crap? Yeah. <laughs> they just blow you away. Yeah. They do tend to pull on your heartstrings mm-hmm. a little bit more. I've noticed that just, I don't know if it's like me pre kids versus post kids, but they're like, just well done stories. Yeah. You watch some of this. Like I, 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 I am forced to watch Coco a lot because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's 
something that the kids can watch. And, you know, when kids watch one thing and they like it, they're like, I only want that thing. Mm -hmm. So, like, they want to watch it all the time. And, like, I mean, Coco's still good. Vibrant colors. Oh, yeah. Which is awesome. Um, Great storyline. Yeah. I'm excited for more original stories. Yeah. Universal has officially announced that John Cena has been cast to join Fast and Furious 9. This is going to be incredible. (laughs) While character details are currently under wraps, the only word is that he'll be playing, quote, a badass. (laughs) In a Fast and Furious movie? No. The film is set for release on May 22nd, 2020. Yeah, so uh, I had seen like the Vin Diesel announcement video. Yeah. Where he had kind of announced it. It was so awkward, man. Yeah. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, knowing that there is a background beef between him and The Rock, mm-hmm. like, the the announcement video kind of felt like I got a new one. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I got new family. I got yeah. new wrestler <laughs> to replace old wrestler. And so, like, you know, just pulling on what I remember from seeing John Cena in movies, most recently in Bumblebee. I mean, he was great in Bumblebee. Yeah, I like him. I really like that movie. Yeah. And so I'd, I'd be interested to see how this plays out. One thing that I this is a personal beef of mine. Mm-hmm. One thing that I wish they would do more is to incorporate something from their wrestling past into the movie itself they sometimes do they did for some of the rocks movies but you can only do that for so long like i just want i like when they had incorporated or you know when they had introduced the rock into the fast and furious franchise Mm -hmm. i was like he better rock bottom someone well he did that in like a couple of his first action movies like he kind of does it at one point uh, when he's fighting Jason Statham, like mm-hmm. he puts him through a glass table and you're like, ah! and then it's not really it. And you're like, ah. yeah, but like with John Cena, like it'd be nice to like for them to throw in a joke or something, you know, like when they introduce him as the character and then like maybe the rest of them are like, where is he? I don't see him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, just something like, see, there's a lot of movies where you can't do that because it pulls you out of the movie. Uh-huh. I think with Fast and Furious, they can do whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is. It is the you could do the extreme of just about anything in that movie and people will accept it yep. because guess what? There's a car driving through two buildings in the next scene. Yeah. Like, do it. The long running role playing video game franchise Final Fantasy is being developed for television. Sony Pictures Television, Square Enix and production company Hivemind will produce the live action TV series, which will center on an original story set in the world of Eorzea. That's probably right. I'm fr- I don't know. It's close. First introduced in the online game Final Fantasy 14. Hivemind produces The Expanse for Amazon and is currently working on Netflix's upcoming series The Witcher. The new show will incorporate characters and elements from across the Final Fantasy franchise, which spans 32 years, 15 numbered entries in the main series, and over three dozen individual titles. While specific details about the plot remain under lock and key, it will explore, quote, the struggle between magic and technology in a quest to bring peace to a land in conflict. Final Fantasy hallmarks such as magic, airships, and of course, chocobos will all be included in the upcoming series. Familiar faces and names, including a version of Sid, will make appearances. I just want Chris Hemsworth's Thor to like land in the middle of this series and be like, your ancestors called it magic. You call it technology. We put them together. <laughs> and, just, and they just have that be the end of the series. And it's over. Yeah. <laughs> 32 I, years of games. Yep. Here's yep, Thor. Here's the explanation. <laughs> here's something completely unrelated. 
I, I don't know. Like, I mean, this is like, I think their biggest challenge here is just going to be storytelling mm-hmm. because they're starting with a product where they're saying, look, a lot of people care about what this is. Yeah. And so you're going to, you're one, you're going to have to incorporate a lot of the story from, you know, those statistics, those statistics are, you know, mind boggling. 32 years. 14. It's such a fragmented universe. Yeah. Though. And it's all over the place. And if you haven't played the games, you're not completely familiar with it. But that's why I think it works. Okay. Cause you can do kind of whatever you want as long as you're holding to like the base idea. I guess. But then at the same time, you know, like a lot of people who, maybe would have latched on to like a show like for example game of thrones mm-hmm. you know knowing that there was this sort of background story like they were kind of like you you had two minds of it like some people were like all right i'll just watch the show and then that'll be like i will be content digesting that mm-hmm. but then there were some people that were like oh wait there's these books am i missing something by not playing or by not reading the books mm-hmm. and then you know with final fantasy it's like am i missing something by not watching the other video content am i missing something by not playing the game like i think storytelling from that yeah. perspective is yeah. going to be challenging but i think that happens whenever you deal with a licensed property though yeah. cuz people could say that about batman movies too true like am i missing something by not reading all the books and watching all the series well yeah yes, you probably are. you are <laughs> But you can also enjoy this movie for what it is, too. Yeah. And just have that be it. So if they do it right, if they approach it the right way, I think they're okay. Lastly, Universal is currently developing a sequel series to the 80s television hit Punky Brewster with Soleil Moon Fry on board to reprise the title role. The original series ran from 1984 to 1988 and starred Fry as a young girl growing up with foster father Henry Warnemont. In the potential follow-up series, Punky is now a single mother of three trying to get her life back on track when she meets a young girl who reminds her a lot of her younger self. I'll take stories nobody asked for for 600, Alex. Yeah. Like, I'm generally aware of Punky Brewster, but I I didn't like the show. Yeah. Like, I'm not clamoring for a remake, Mm -hmm. let alone one that sounds like (laughs) like like sad child star tries to get life back together. Like I don't need to watch a series about that. I just need to read variety or like the Hollywood. She's done. She's done other stuff too. She's still been a working actress. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not like she's just trying to recapture the glory of those times, even though that might be a part of it for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Great. Question mark for people who might've liked the original. I think it's, I think it's the fuller house formula. Yeah. That's, what a lot of companies are probably going for right now be like they got four seasons was it four seasons yeah. uh they got like four seasons out of something that was done in the 80s well maybe we can do it with this thing too mm-hmm. that's just the way studios work <laughs> that works too <laughs> apparently uh before we get out of here we are briefly going to step into the spoiler room i don't think it'll take us too too long but we're gonna talk about season eight of game of thrones because we haven't done that yet even though it was a while ago and at least our thoughts on how everything kind of wrapped up because you know we can't just leave it hanging out there yeah the internet had their share and now we need to have ours too so let's step right in access granted welcome so uh as people know because we are in the spoiler room we're going to talk about season eight as much as we want how things ended I think I I agree. So the internet's very down on the final season as a whole. Yeah. I didn't hate it. I think 
there are a lot. I think there are more silent minorities of people that are like you Mm -hmm. that are very much so like, I didn't hate it. Like I wasn't going into it with grand expectations or whatever. And so now like having watched it, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't hate it. I also didn't love it. Same. Yeah. Like it's fine. It's just not as good as the rest of the series. And that's the problem. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the final season kind of suffered from the inflation from expectation. Absolutely. Not only that, but the fact that they wanted to wrap it up so quickly. Yeah. That is the thing I think everyone can agree on, love it or hate it, is that the final season was absolutely rushed. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think, you know, just going into the season, you know, you saw a lot of news stories about the time that they spent on production, Mm -hmm. you know, the amount of people that were involved in a single scene like and knowing that the story was going in a certain direction i think a lot of people had inflated expectations of what was going to happen Mm -hmm. because this is kind of i don't know if season seven yeah i think season seven deviated from the books as well but the final season was kind of like all right we got no roadmap we know kind of what's going to happen Mm -hmm. and here are these huge expectations that we're going to try to meet yeah, and I don't even think they're, like, I think they did have a roadmap. They didn't have the books as a roadmap. Right, right, right. no book roadmap. They yeah. had a plan. It was just, again, rushed because yeah. the beats that they hit were all good and they all made sense, mm-hmm. except for the fact that we got from point A to point B in, like, five minutes. Yeah. There was a story uh, that came out uh, halfway through the season where Benioff and Weiss were given they were given the option to extend this mm-hmm. out by like several episodes and they declined that option. Mm-hmm. And it sounded very much like we're going to back the money truck up to your studio, do what you want. We just want to extend this by a few, like, you know, maybe three or four episodes and they declined it. Like whose fault is that? Yeah, that's, it's never a good idea. And and you would think showrunners have a better idea of pacing out their content, especially after working on it for so long. Mm -hmm. And it's almost always going to take a little longer than you think, not a little less. Like even this particular episode we're doing right now, as an example, I always write out what I assume is going to take roughly an hour to talk about. Nope. Where (laughs) we're at like an hour, 10 hour, 15 right now, I assumed we would be done by now, but guess what? It takes a little bit longer usually because things come up that you didn't expect. So in this particular instance, and I think a lot of people are also blaming the fact that they're moving on to do a new Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. And that was their reason. And it might be. But the fact I don't like them saying we knew it was going to take roughly 73 hours from the beginning. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. No. Nobody goes like charts out the entire thing and paces the last like season and a half so quickly compared to everything else they've done. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, no. Yeah. I don't buy it. Yeah, and there's a perfect meme representing like the flow of the entire series. There are Game no perfect memes, but go ahead. No, this meme is perfect. <laughs> it is a drawing of a horse from the ass end of the horse all the way to the front. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's segmented over the course of the entire series of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Like the ass end of the horse is like perfect. It looks like the butt of a horse. Yeah. And then as it progresses to the beginning or to, you know, towards the head of the horse, which is presumably the end of the series, it just looks like a child threw up on a piece of mm-hmm. paper. And it, to me, it was like a perfect representation of how kind of the series had played out. 
I don't agree that it was as bad as people said it was, but it's definitely rushed. Yeah. So then let's talk about kind of the final episode then, because that was the biggest complaints and where things were left and how things ended. Yeah. I largely was not disappointed by the story of the final episode. Okay. My biggest problem with the final episode was the lack of emotional resonance. Because all that stuff happened, and I can say that happened to that character, that's where they went, that's where they went. And I was just like, it's done. But I can remember like tearing up and like crying over and being like shocked and emotionally affected by so many other things that happened throughout the series. And then the final episode just kind of happened. Yeah. And it just didn't resonate with me. And that was my biggest complaint. Yeah. And I think for me, one of the bigger complaints about the season in general is that despite these huge stakes Mm -hmm. that the consequences did not match. Mm. You know, you had like in the final episode, of course you knew it was going to happen, but the way that it happened was very sort of like, Oh, that's it. Mm -hmm. John killing Danny kind of makes sense. But at the same time, I don't understand what all of the back and forth mentally that John was going through throughout like the last one and a half seasons Mm -hmm. before. Why let it get so far and then for everything to end, finally making that decision? Like for me, it's just like the consequence doesn't necessarily match what had led up to it. Yeah. Every time John was like, but she's my queen and I love her. And I'm like, this is not earned. None of this is earned. Yeah. It feels out of character for John. It's the only time in the entire show. That John has done like the wrong thing. Yeah. That's a constant of his character. And to have him blindly follow, even if you're saying he's in love, uh-huh. if you're going to tell me it's because he's in love, earn that freaking love. Yeah. Don't just be like, they met and they banged and now they're in love. Yeah. A lot of people chalked it up to just Don- John getting dumber. Mm-hmm. And which is, I guess it could be characteristic of him because he is a very loyal person. You know, as a character throughout the series, like he's very loyal to ideas, to people. And so I guess that loyalty took him down a road of looking dumber as the consequences progressed. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, at the end, people were just like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, why is this happening like this? So I guess good is dumb and evil always prevails. Yeah. But at the same time, like just to build a character like that and to just kind of let it fall off. And then for him to like, for all of this to happen and then for him to just go to the night's watch and then have that be like his eternal summer camp. Like what the fuck was that about? And he, he didn't even, I mean, he went to the night's watch, but he clearly didn't stay there. Yeah. He just like, went North, North, but like even sending him to the night's watch felt dumb. Yeah. It's like, why are you sent? It's like sending a kid to their room where all their toys are in that room. Yeah. And they, well, th- I mean, that's why they sent him there. Yeah. I mean, they sent him to the Night's Watch, not saying that he was definitely just going to go through the Night's Watch yeah. and go back to the North. But I think I-, I kept questioning, like, on whose authority is he going? And he murdered Danny. Yeah. That's a crime. Yeah. But like, what about Jamie, mm-hmm. who was the Kingslayer? Yeah. John did the same thing. John gets sent to the Night's Watch. Jamie becomes the head of like the, the Kingsguard. Kingsguard. Yeah. You're already contradicting your your stuff there. I guess you could argue that it was because the Unsullied would have like rioted 
because they killed the Unsullied's queen. Who then left King's Landing to go live on an island? Right. So it wouldn't have mattered anyway. John didn't need to get sent anywhere. Yeah. They could have just like pretended to send him off and then the boat could have made a U-turn and brought him back to King's Landing. Like, right. It, and they might have gotten a raven and been like, well, we're, we got this place anyway now. Who cares? Yeah. This is unsullied Disneyland. So <laughs> like, yeah, it, like it just, I mean, it kind of, you know, same theme, you know, like lack of consequences, like mm-hmm. especially in a series where the consequences made things more interesting. Mm-hmm. You finally, you, you have this final season where the consequences don't matter. Mm. And it's kind of like, you know, the, the most talked about parts of this entire uh, series were times when things happened to characters that were just like earth shaking or monumental, mm-hmm. right? Red wedding is like something people still talk about. Yeah, yeah. And those were permanent, right? They could have brought back the mother Stark as Lady Stoneheart. Mm hmm. But they didn't because it's permanence. People die and they're dead forever. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, you know, except for so, John. <laughs> except, yeah, except for And John. that one dude who kept getting resurrected. Oh, yeah. Flaming sword guy. Aside from that, death is permanent. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, just something like it's logical inconsistency that pulls you out of the story long yeah. enough for you to be annoyed by it. I, what, okay. So, what do you think then of, uh, well, okay. Let's go through some endings because I was just going to jump to one particularly, but I was happy with Arya's ending. I thought that was good. I was not. Really? Why yeah. not? I mean, I was like her ending ending, like her going off and becoming like Dora the Explorer. Yeah. Like that, I was okay Oh, that's with. what I mean. That's oh, what I'm talking about. I was unhappy with Arya's final season story arc because, I mean, my primary complaint with that was Arya had a list and mm-hmm. she stuck by that list and that list served almost like prophecy and in the world of game of thrones prophecies almost always come true mm-hmm. right and so for aria to have this list and not fulfill it completely i don't know if it's because i'm a completionist in video games and i just hate it when that stuff doesn't happen or if it's just you know it really is something that would have been more satisfying to me i prefer to think it's the latter aria's storyline was tainted by the fact that she wasn't able to complete her list. Kill Cersei. Right. Cersei, you know, she had a reason to. And for Cersei to die in an avalanche, I get what people say when they say like, uh, not an avalanche, but, you know, like a king yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, I get what people say that the way that Cersei died and the, the manner in which she died kind of inconsequentially. I don't know, like for her to die the way that she did was very... It, it made sense for a villain. I get what I get, people are but it was saying. Lackluster. Yeah, it's so like for such a major character, like, and Cersei had her own prophecy as well. Like, I didn't understand like why she wasn't killed by her younger brother. Uh, although Jamie is like what younger by like minutes or something. Mm-hmm. I guess he kind of killed her by taking her down there. Not but, really. Yeah, you're really stretching to explain that in the context of the prophecy. So, yeah, I, I wasn't really happy with the way Arya's sort of last season turned out. I wanted her to, to be the one that just was the assassin. And I was OK everyone. with I was not OK with the way that Cersei and Jamie died because I thought it was just boring. Uh-huh. But I was fine with the way Arya's story played out because I felt like she had grown past a lot of that. 
Yeah, and I think you saw that, right? Like when she's going through the red keep with the hound mm-hmm. and the hound is like, like, listen, girl, <laughs> like if you just follow the path of revenge, you're going to turn out like me. Yeah, I right? think I think that was the last a lot of people like thought that was stupid because one word from the hound gets her to abandon her whole mission. Yeah, I thought Arya had been growing in that direction anyway, and that was just the last thing she needed to hear again to give up on it. Maybe a consequence of them rushing it. Right? Maybe. You know, if you had given maybe another 30 to 45 minutes of exploring that evolution in her way of thinking, mm-hmm. maybe it would have made more sense. Maybe. But anyway, I was fine with her stuff. Uh, Sansa, I was fine as like Lord of the North and all or Queen of the, Queen North. Of the North. Yeah. Uh, it was a little weird that she could just split off. Yeah. Like she and, and also to just make that declaration too. yeah. A little like, strange. She's like, all right. So my brother is now king. And I'm going to have my own kingdom. Got it. And then everybody just be like, all right, I'm taking my toys <laughs> and I am sort of leaving. But it was a very Sansa thing to do. Yeah. So I can't really argue with it. Yeah. Her sort of progression over the course of the last season kind of made sense because, mm-hmm. you know, she had lived through all that trauma, been sort of informally trained by Littlefinger. Mm-hmm. And for her to sort of like use those, use what she learned and end up with that outcome. It it made a ton of sense to me. Yeah. So then the big one is how do you feel about Bran as the king? I think Bran's storyline suffers from the internet coming up with too many theories about who Bran is and how he played into the last season. Okay. Because with each episode, like the the prevailing internet theories sort of like morphed and like changed into like different things. Like it started off with, oh, Bran's actually the Night King, or Bran has been going, you know, green seeing so much that he's been affecting the timeline. And like the latter of which kind of comes true at the end because, you know, he has that one line. It's like, why do you think I came all the way here? Mm-hmm. Almost even to though say, that's contradictory to so much stuff where he said, Oh, I can't rule or I I don't want to rule. And- yeah. Like sort of this weird sort of turn of attitude. But I don't know. Like, I think everything that happened with his character and his storyline after he came back from the north became so convoluted because he was the three eyed raven Mm -hmm. that you kind of just accepted it for what it was. He is this all seeing being that is, you know, has a huge attitude problem (laughs) like, and it's just there. Mm hmm. And then for him to sort of creep in at the end and be like, I guess I'm the guy. Okay. Like shrug. I don't know. That and the weirdest thing about it is if you have someone in charge who knows everything that's been and everything that will come, how does he make any decisions? Like what path is he creating? Yeah. But here's the, here's the reason I'm okay with it is because in my mind, Bran is not the king. He's, officially the king he's the person that they put on the throne but he's not actually the king because who's really calling the shots i don't know Tyrion. no Tyrion is the king yeah for I guess. me that's kind of the way it ended bran is the one sitting on the throne because bran bran doesn't care about anything that's true he has no want he can't make decisions he can't do anything mm-hmm. he's there just as a puppet and he knows it. Mm-hmm. So he just sits there to track history and be the memory. And Tyrion is the one doing all the work, making all the decisions, forming the council. Tyrion's in charge. That makes sense. So for me, that's the way it ended. The only problem that I have with 
Tyrion being quote unquote in charge mm-hmm. is that if Bran always knows what is going to happen, not only is he bound by that, but he also just kind of has to let it happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Tyrion, like people are going to be who they are and in, in Bran's mind, like he yeah. can't change that in any respect. Yep. And so, you know, for him to be king, it is true that, you know, he, it, I mean, it does not make a lot of sense that he is the figurehead. But it also doesn't make a ton of sense that Tyrion is like the de facto king because he has this predetermined path. Like we're all on this path that apparently nobody can affect mm-hmm. because Bran is literally in the time stream, you know, every time he goes into the green seeing mode. Yeah. And he can't do anything about it. It's just like this fate we can't affect at all. And well, it's the whole like, idea of predestiny and stuff is so boring for storytelling anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I, that, that does make a ton of sense. And like now that you say it, like Tyrion is kind of like the quote unquote prime minister, and Bran is kind of just like the the king, like he's the royalty that we revere somehow. Mm-hmm. But the person really in charge of making decisions and practically affecting the kingdom is the one that who sits on the council. But here's the one thing that I'm surprised. I read a lot of things to like see what people's take on it was, mm-hmm. and I was shocked that nobody really addressed what I'm going to tell you now that I think is kind of the bigger message of choosing Bran as the king. Okay. I think it's a meta choice in the sense that what was Tyrion's argument for selecting Bran as the king? It was to choose the person who best represented the stories of the people, right? Right. I think it's George R. R. Martin patting himself on the back. Explain. I think it's I think it's him saying I just created this amazing story, and of course I'm the king. Oh, I see. Like, they they told this story that captivated the world for eight seasons, mm-hmm. so the person they're going to choose to lead this story uh, okay. is the one who wrote this story. I, I think see. Bran is George R.R. R. Martin. I think it's been sort of unofficially confirmed that George R.R. R. Martin sees himself as Bran. Okay. So that makes sense. I think that's what he did. I think he crowned himself at the end of his story. Makes sense. Which is also why I think him being chosen doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the story because it's self-serving for George R.R. R. Martin and not necessarily the best choice for the story. Yeah. But I don't know. Like I they they did well enough to make it make sense at the time. Now yeah, that you it's said fine. that, yeah. But that was the whole thing I was thinking of when Tyrion was saying like the good storytellers before he even chose Bran. I was like, he's just he's giving it up for the people who wrote the books. <laughs> That's yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, That's true. But yeah, Game of Thrones. I mean, I'm not I'm not angry. I'm not like super bummed and let down like everybody else and like angry at it. Uh huh. It's still a story worth watching. It's still a story worth revisiting. And it wasn't Dexter in the end. <laughs> so ultimately, that's that's the best thing I can say. Yeah, so I mean, it's the best thing. The best analogy I could think of was kind of having this like eight course meal Mm -hmm. with the last course being a store bought brownie. Sure. You know what I mean? Like you've gone through this amazing sort of journey through seven seasons where things were like stimulating, delicious even. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the final season and they're like, meh. Tastes good. Yeah. Just not nearly as satisfying. I mean, it's sweet. It tastes like chocolate. Mm-hmm. But what the hell? You just gave me seven seasons of 
amazing food. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like to you know to use the analogy. It's true. So in that respect, the disappointment is not necessarily with the story itself, but with the end result or the end feeling that mm. you have when you see it. And I think a lot of people share that sort of opinion where, you know, it's kind of meh for something that people spend hours talking about mm-hmm. people at work with and like, you know, just endless blogs and like paragraphs and sentences dedicated to their, their enjoyment and love of yep. this thing. And for it to just kind of peter out like that in a way that was factually you know that was rushed and that rushed process was backed up by anecdotal evidence mm-hmm. why you know why do this thing and then leave me hanging like that yeah so makes sense yeah all right as we wrap things up final thought or something you would like to plug um as always i don't have anything personal to plug but if you feel so inclined please support the geek generation in any way that you can um, I believe the URL is geekgeneration.com slash support. Sure is. Do what you can. I mean, this is free content that's provided, you know, I mean, except for people on Patreon, but you know, <laughs> they still get this for free. Yeah. They still get this for free. So, and it takes time and effort to put together. So if you are a fan and you feel so inclined, please, please support. The Geek Generation is part of the Geek Generation Network. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We may even read your review on an upcoming episode. Watch our live events at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. You can support this show and get access to exclusive bonus content by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Continue the conversation with us on our Discord server at thegeekgeneration.com slash discord. Send emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back soon with more geeky stuff for you, and we will see you then. Later. Make it so.